This podcast has been brought to you with the support of Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. With a Wise account, you can send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Whether you're traveling through Asia, freelancing in France, or buying that dream property in Oz, Wise is the easy way to connect all your finances internationally. You can even send money home to mum in minutes. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com. Hello, I'm Damien Venuto. It's July 3rd and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. After the pandemic forced international flights to grind to a halt, the travel industry is slowly returning to normal. School and university winter holidays are now set to coincide with the European summer, and many Kiwis will undoubtedly be grabbing the opportunity to take flight overseas. But if you are heading to some of these dream destinations, you'll find that their new normal looks a little different. Cities like Bali, Amsterdam, Venice and Rome have introduced visitor limits in certain areas to ensure that tourists don't completely take over these treasured landmarks. What do these changes mean and how does it feel for the everyday explorer to navigate them? And are these restrictions on major tourist hotspots a good excuse to head down the roads less travelled? NZ Herald travel editor Stephanie Holmes was recently in Italy and joins us on the front page to explain what's being done to manage some of the planet's major global attractions. Steph, overtourism has become this industry buzzword since before the pandemic even started. Can you explain what it means? Yeah, so it's when a destination becomes so popular that tourists actually become a burden, not a benefit. So too many tourists can put a strain on infrastructure, resources and make living conditions really unpleasant for locals. So places like Dubrovnik in Croatia, Venice in Italy and Barcelona in Spain are all examples of places that have suffered from over-tourism in the past. So these are really those places where everyone wants to go. These are the places that people want to visit and now there are too many of us visiting those places. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, they're popular for a reason. They're incredible destinations, but it's more about how do you manage that demand without compromising the quality of experience in those destinations. Could you explain what some of those hotspots are doing to try and combat over-tourism? So in Dubrovnik, and this started years ago, so in 2017, when over-tourism really was becoming a hot topic, they introduced some restrictions around tourist numbers going into the old city. So it's a walled city in Dubrovnik. There's not a lot of space. (laughs) So they limited the amount of tourists that can go in there to about 8,000 a day. So they put up surveillance cameras and they were counting the number of tourists going in and out. So if you were turning up too late when, you know, there's heaps of cruise ships in and, and a lot of tourists already there, you might be out of luck. You might not actually be able to get into that walled city. In Italy, in Portofino earlier this year, they introduced fines of up to about 480 New Zealand dollars for tourists who are blocking traffic in these really popular spots for selfies. So you're getting all these people going wanting to get their perfect selfie spot and just blocking the roads and blocking pedestrian traffic. So they introduced fines for those. Elsewhere in Italy, there's some more kind of unusual rules. So in Cinque Terre, which is a really popular walking route, they've banned people wearing jandals for walking that track. 
in parts of Venice and Florence, you can't eat snacks outside or in certain parts outside. And in Rome, you can be fined up to 250 euro for sitting on the Spanish steps because they want to control that flow of pedestrian traffic and not have too many snarl-ups around what's a really popular spot. So it seems like there are a few factors at play over here. You have the safety issue, as you would have in Dubrovnik, and then you also have the issue of the lives of the locals being affected, as would be the case in Venice, for instance. And then I suppose you also have the added element of trying to protect these really old places, because the more traffic you have, the more wear and tear you have on these places, right? Yeah, I think it's about a number of things. So it's, it is about protecting the kind of history of these destinations. But it's also about that quality of life and also making sure that these places don't become like theme parks. You know, you don't want during the day they're full of tourists and then when all the tourist buses leave, then there's no one there, there's nothing left. That's what was happening in places like Dubrovnik. So a lot of the residents were moving out of their homes in the old city because it was just becoming really unpleasant to live there. And also they realised they could earn a lot of money by renting out their places on Airbnb. But then you run into that issue of it's not an authentic place anymore. In Venice, The Guardian reported earlier this year that there are now more than 48,000 beds available in the city to tourists. But that's close to overtaking the number of residents in the city, which is just over 49,000. In 2008, those figures were 12,000 beds for tourists and 60,000 residents. So it's grown you know, exponentially and it's close to overtaking the number of tourists to residents. So what happens to a city when all the locals have gone? You know, it loses its heart, its culture... They're the things that appeal to the tourists in the first place. So it's a complex issue. Yeah, I suppose from a long-term strategic perspective, the reason why people visit these places is because of the culture, the history and the people. And when those people leave, what are you left with? Yeah, it's kind of like Disneyland, right? (laughs) You were recently in Italy. Did you experience any of the changes or limitations on movement? I didn't really. I mean, it was busy. Um, I was there in early May, so it's not that real peak season. But, you know, there were still a lot of people around, like in Rome, going to famous sites like Trevi Fountain. There were a lot of people there. But it was nothing that kind of impacted my enjoyment. You know, you just kind of work around it. You get up a bit earlier or, you know, go a bit later in the day. I've got friends in Italy at the moment and it's a month on and it's getting into that peak summer season and it's definitely got a lot busier. Um, One friend told me they felt the crowds had doubled since their last visit in 2017. Another said the queues for attractions in Florence were ridiculous. They couldn't get into restaurants because they hadn't made bookings. And she also said that public transport was disgusting (laughs) in some places. She said they were packed in like sardines. One thing I noticed on my trip was that Tourists have become a bit more savvy, you know, so they have understood those things about getting somewhere really early or, um, you know, before the majority of the tourists arrive or the majority of the tour buses arrive. So, you know, you get up really early and go for a walk around, I don't know, the Pantheon or you, you can't actually get into the Pantheon, but you can see the outside and it's really beautiful and there's no people around. But it did make me wonder, you know, what happens if everybody (laughs) becomes savvy to this? You know, if everyone starts getting up really early, does it mean that the load is spread throughout the day or is it just that everywhere's going to be constantly busy, you know, all the time? Speaking as a foreigner, I would say that Kiwis are pretty safe with the getting up early thing. It seems to be a uniquely Kiwi thing. You guys really like to get up super early. (laughs) Well, that's true. (laughs) And the only problem in in places like Italy is the Italians don't get up early. So you're wandering around and you can't get a coffee for love nor money. (laughs)
If you're enjoying this episode of The Front Page brought to you by the New Zealand Herald, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Let's just take the discussion out of Europe for a moment. Bali is another major destination for Kiwis of all ages, and they are also cracking down quite hard at the moment. Given it's always been known as a bit of a party hotspot, and that's a big part of its appeal, especially for tourists going from Australia and New Zealand, do you think that some of these changes could be off-putting for tourists? I think to some tourists, yeah, but... From my perspective, I think it's going to put off the tourists that you wouldn't really want to be hanging out with anyway. You know, the rules are kind of in place for the more unruly types of behaviour. So they're trying to stop people riding mopeds without a shirt on or without a helmet on, which is, you know, safety. Trying to stop excessively drunken behaviour in public, uh, wearing inappropriate clothing at cultural sites, those kind of things. So I don't think those rules are a bad thing. Some of the rules are a bit more open to interpretation. So... One of the guidelines Bali has been promoting is to not post offensive or vulgar pictures to social media. But I guess the issue there is who defines what is vulgar. And, you know, someone, an Indonesian person might have a different opinion of what is vulgar to, you know, a Kiwi just on holiday. So the uncertainty around those kind of rules could put some people off. How justified do you think some of these new rules by cities are? It seems like a lot of these rules are trying to stop people from behaving badly, as you just mentioned, particularly when it comes to drinking and drug use. Yeah, I think they're justified. You know, some tourists can be awful and really disrespectful. You know, I'm sure we've all seen them on holidays and, you know, hopefully we haven't been them. But ultimately, I think the rules are going to make visiting these places a nicer and more comfortable experience for everyone. And they're going to make tourism more sustainable. So I don't think that's a bad thing. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the changing rules when it comes to visiting stadiums and watching major sporting events or watching major music events. There does seem to be the shift away from rowdy, unruly behavior towards something that allows families to enjoy the space a little bit better. Yeah, and that's a good thing, right? You know, yeah. you want you want everyone to be able to enjoy destinations and experiences. Do you see any potential for some backlash for some of these cities that are making it clear they don't want a lot of tourists or that they're going to apply these really strict rules to tourists? Yeah, I think there are definitely some people that will be put off, but I think it will also help encourage people to look a bit wider and visit places that are a bit more off the beaten track. So if you take Italy as an example, the whole country is beautiful, right? You know, like Rome is beautiful, Florence is beautiful, but you get out of those big cities, you'll still find a gorgeous cathedral and a beautiful piazza, some, you know, ancient monuments and things. So why not consider looking a bit further afield and and exploring a bit more? My friend who's in Italy at the moment, who I mentioned earlier, um, she said they've been staying and eating in areas that are slightly further out of the city. Makes it more manageable, makes it a bit quieter. And it also gives you a more authentic experience as well, which is, I think, what we're all looking for when we travel. And with Google and the internet these days, it's not that difficult to research the interesting places where there is good food, where there are interesting things to see. Yeah, that's right. Or at Herald Travel. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just bring the discussion now to New Zealand. Are any cities in New Zealand currently looking at over-tourism and looking at how to deal with it? I think in New Zealand, we're still more focused on encouraging inbound tourists back. We're still recovering from borders being closed and COVID and all those restrictions. Things are definitely picking up and we've got more airlines coming back into New Zealand and new routes opening up. So we're definitely seeing things get busier. Last year, former Tourism Minister Stuart Nash, he announced plans to restrict numbers to popular places like Milford Sound. And he talked a lot about wanting to attract fewer tourists 
but making those that did come here the high-value tourists who would spend lots of money rather than the backpackers who would stay for longer but not really spend that much money. I mean, that's a whole other issue. When we talk about high-quality tourists, we talk about those who come and they explore. They'll spend a little bit more money, they'll stay a little bit longer, they'll travel off the beaten track a little bit further. You know, these are not the guys that jump in a camper van and make a Facebook video around how they can get around our country on $10 a day by eating dried noodles. And now, you know, we've had a change of tourism minister and we're coming up to an election. So I'd imagine there'll be no big changes or restrictions this year, but it will be interesting to see what happens in the future. Isn't it also a bit risky to dissuade those so-called low-value tourists, the backpackers, since many people will come to a place in their youth, visit it, and then get a sense of nostalgia for it when they become a little bit more wealthy and want to revisit it when they get to that stage. If you don't give them that early experience, then don't you miss out on the later experience? Oh, absolutely. I I don't necessarily agree with (laughs) what he was saying. But um, yeah, again, that's a whole other podcast, I think. Fair enough. (laughs) Steph, do you think we could see more countries or cities address these over-tourism concerns in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I think councils and governments around the world, they'll be watching places like Dubrovnik and Venice and Rome um, to see how they're restricted go, they're going to see, you know, do they work? Do they reduce tourism numbers too much? Does it have a negative impact on the locals who are relying on tourism for their income? Destinations will be learning from those who make these bold moves first. But I think it's also an opportunity for lesser known destinations to make a virtue of the fact that they don't have any restrictions. You know, if someone comes up with a clever marketing campaign about, you know, we have no rules. Um, that could see a more off-the-beaten-track destination put themselves on the tourist map and become the next hot place to visit. It does also seem like a lot of these restrictions aren't actually about stopping people from coming to visit these places. It's more about nudging behaviour into a way that's more complicit with that society. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it would be good as well if people thought a bit more about you know, why they want to visit a place and what they're going to see. There's been a big trend to people only wanting to go to a destination so they can get their perfect Instagram shot. And that's why, you know, these certain places are getting really clogged up because people are trying to get their perfect shot in Portofino. And, you know, it it should be about more than that. It's not just about getting your photo. It's about experiencing a destination and finding something really special wherever you go. And finally, what would your tips be for any tourists heading to some of the cities we've discussed today to avoid running foul of the officials? Do your research, so make sure you're aware of all the rules and restrictions in place. You know, it's easy to find them with, you know, just a bit of research on the internet. And just generally, don't be an idiot, (laughs) you know. Treat the place you're visiting and its residents with the same respect you'd expect visitors to show if they were walking down your street or visiting your home. Yeah, it just doesn't seem that hard, right? It's as simple as just respecting the culture that you're visiting. Yeah, yeah. It's easy, you know. And and travel's so much fun, so, you know, you just need to enjoy it, but, you know, be respectful. Thanks for joining us, Steph. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson and Paddy Fox with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow the front page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts and tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.